0: Welcome to the Spirituality for Normal People podcast. Of course, there aren't really any normal people, but every person has a spirituality, whether plumbers or politicians, firefighters or farmers, entrepreneurs or entertainers. I'm Matthew Brough, pastor and author, bringing you tips, guidance and practical advice for how to live out and keep the life in your relationship with God. You can find show notes, books and more at spiritualityfornormalpeople.com. Welcome to episode sixteen of the Spirituality for Normal People podcast. Thanks so much for listening today. Today we have a really great, interesting interview with James Prescott. And James is a writer and podcaster. He has a, a really cool podcast called Poema. We talk about it a little bit in this podcast. And I was actually on James's podcast last week, so. I will provide a link uh, in the show notes to that. So if you're looking for my podcast on James's podcast, you can go and listen to that. And um, and on his, I talked a bunch about my fiction writing, which I don't talk too much about on on this podcast as you're listening. But I'd love if you're interested in, in hearing more about uh, the fiction that I write. Uh, you can head on over to that interview that I did with James and uh hear all about it. We talk about other stuff too um kind of about some intersections between faith and spirituality because that's one of the things he focuses on on his podcast um but yeah if you're if you want to go and hear more of my voice, I guess you can head over there. Uh, yeah, so also this week, um, I set up uh, something kind of new, I, you may not realize that I, you're listening to this podcast, and actually, to run a podcast, it does actually cost a little bit. And I've just been putting these things out there, um, and just paying for the the hosting costs. And I just kind of borrowed equipment from my brother in law. So he had a, a spare USB microphone lying around. And it's it's a pretty good microphone. Um, and so just, uh, anyway, I decided I was going to start a Patreon page. If you're not familiar with Patreon, it's a way for creators to be able to say, if you want to support, uh, the work that I, that I'm putting out there on a regular basis, you're able to support that, uh, through contributions by providing support. So Patreon from the word patron or patronage. Um, So I put up a Patreon page where if you would like to support the podcast and help pay for the costs associated with running the podcast, uh, I would appreciate that more than you can imagine. Um, And I'm super thankful because I put it up and I emailed some folks last week about it and I already have two patrons, so I'm so happy about those uh, couple of patrons that signed up in the first couple of days. Um, basically, you sponsor on a per episode basis. So for as little as $1 per episode, you can be a sponsor. And if you sponsor at the $1 per episode level, I think I just, you know, I'll just say thank you to you. Um, but everything after that, you can sponsor at a $2 level or $3 or going up. And there's different things that you get if you decide to support the podcast at any of those levels. So if you, uh, I can't remember them off the top of my head, but if you go to the page, you can see uh, mostly it is getting free books uh, that I've written. So, um, yeah, support the show and get uh, and get free books. You can go and take a look at what those are uh, on the page. So, if you're looking for that, uh, you just go to patreon.com/slash matthew bruff. Uh, so that's p a t r e o n slash my name, Matthew Bruff, M-A-T-T-H-E-W-B-R-O-U-G-H. You can always as well go to spiritualityfornormalpeople.com. And for this episode, just go to slash James and you can find out some details. I'll put a link on that one to the Patreon page. Uh, it's not there as a regular feature yet, but I'll make sure that that gets up there really soon as well. Uh, yeah, that's probably it for the personal update. It's really just letting you know about that page where you can give your support if you want. And I should say as well, if you're not able to support or that's not the way that you want to, uh, engage, that's totally fine. Like I, I always feel kind of uncomfortable asking for that kind of thing. Um, and, uh, again, if you just want to listen to the podcast, podcasts are free. They're so awesome. Just listen and Take what value you can out of each episode. So, uh, if you're able to help me out, I really appreciate it and love it. If you're not in a position to do that, or you're just saying, "Well, no, I'm not. I'm not going to support in that way." Maybe you bought a couple of my books or something like that. Uh, I totally understand. That's fine too. But wanted to provide this opportunity for you, um, and just a way for me to help start to offset some of the costs associated with running the show. So. Yeah, with that being said, uh, I'm just going to jump right into the interview now with James Prescott and hope you really enjoy it. All right. Thanks for listening. Take care. Today we've got James Prescott. uh, And James, I'm just thrilled to have you on today on the podcast.
1: Oh, yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Matthew. It's really great to be here. Thanks for inviting me.
0: Yeah. and, And James and I just before kind of coming on, we're just talking about our love for football. And when we say that for all of our North American listeners, we're meaning soccer. Um, but uh, but we'll prefer to call it football. The two of us, and uh, so it's nice to talk to someone. You're my first guest who is living in the UK, so thrilled to have you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's really great.
1: Uh,
0: and James, you're like the two, the things that I know you for is one for podcasting. I really enjoy your your Poema podcast. Um, but uh, I also know that you're a writer and uh, and have what looks like an interesting book out. I haven't had a chance to read it yet. Um, but I'm, I have this growing list. Like every time I talk to podcast guests who uh, have a book, I keep thinking, oh, there's another book that I've got to add to the list. So, yeah, um, yeah, but, I, uh, yeah, your book is called Mosaic of Grace. Yeah. So I'd love to hear about that book and and maybe what you think people need to know or need to hear about grace and, and what the focus of that book is.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, Yeah, grace is, Mosaic of Grace is about, um, it's about what grace really is, uh, the truth about grace, why it's important, and um, how grace can take the broken parts of our lives and the imperfections and the insecurities and, and our wounds, and are suffering and can put our lives back together to make something more beautiful. Mm. There's this, um, there's this, um, there's this. I think it's Japanese art called kintsugi, and uh, which I talk about in the book. And kintsugi is basically taking takes broken pottery and uses the pieces to to make a new piece of pottery with gold laminate, oh. and the result is something actually that looks even more beautiful than the original. And um, that's a metaphor for me for about grace. Like, you know, that God takes um, the broken pieces of our lives and he makes them, he puts them back together in something that was more beautiful than we could have imagined. And that's the heart of the book. Hmm. Um, there's different dimensions to that. I talk about, um, I mean, like grace... Well, there's a lot of misconceptions about grace, I think, sometimes that grace is this feel-good thing. Right. And that it's just about being happy or feeling joyful or whatever, or, feel, or being blessed or, or, or something, something to do with that. Um That's kind of my – that was my experience of what grace was when I was growing up in the church. And what I actually discovered is that grace is completely different to that. Mm. And one of the reasons I wrote the book was because I just – because I think – Grace is the beginning of everything it's it's um it's this kind of fundamental truth that you are enough as you are um with all your imperfections and with all your insecurities and you know that it's not about like that faith in Jesus is not about um oh i'll do if I do the right things then i'm going to be okay that your value to God doesn't depend on what you do that you already have value that you already are enough um and you know, there's a lot of examples in, in scripture of that, and with Jesus in particular. Um, when Jesus gets baptized, and this actually isn't in the book, well, I wish I'd put it in the book, <laughs> but this when Jesus gets baptized, um, um, he uh, God says, This is my beloved son, yeah, and I'm pleased with him. And we kind of dismiss this a little bit and we'll make it out to some kind of anointing or whatever. But actually, this this is about grace. This is about grace for me. It's because Jesus hasn't done anything at this point. Yeah. Jesus doesn't have any disciples. He's not preached anywhere. He's not started his mission. Um, Nobody knows who he is, really. Um, He's been like a, a carpenter for 30 years. You know, and uh, in, a, in, in a kind of disjointed family, probably um, a bunch of outsiders, because he was an illegitimate child, and
0: right, all kinds of controversy about who he is, and yeah. you know, so just, just
1: all of that. He's been an outsider yeah. his whole life. Yeah, he's not done anything.
0: Well, and 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 God says, uh, you know, yeah. this is uh, this is my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased. Yeah, exactly. That... I love that second part because it's it's God saying. I'm I'm pleased with you for for you not not for what you've done or what what activities you've, you've you've been involved with it's not sort of at the end of I mean Jesus god's going to be pleased with Jesus ministry absolutely you know but it's not like god waits till the end to see well what are you going to do is it going to all work out and now I'm pleased with you i that's a really good message
1: exactly. god doesn't say this to him when he's risen from the dead
0: exactly yeah
1: this to him before he's even started and yeah, yeah, that is a profound message about grace it's and I do talk about this this topic in the book it's just I don't didn't use this I should have used this story it's a,
0: it's a good I
1: understand why I didn't use it um because it's just a perfect metaphor for grace it's um yeah, it's it's that you know you're enough already. You're my beloved child already, and and I'm pleased with you now. Not when you believe the right stuff, not when you do the right thing, not when you achieve, not when you have the right relationships, the right job, or whatever. Um, but but already, mm-hmm. like, oh. well, yeah, that's I mean... that metaphor. There's the another metaphor that I that I love to use is, is like when a, when 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 a parent. Has their first, especially the first child, but any child, you know, um, do they kind of say, "Oh, I'll love that child when it's done this and that and the other one, like when it's got good grades and when he's when he or she has got a great job and they've got a great relationship." No, of course not. Right. Like when I met my nephew for the first time last year, I didn't like think, "Oh, I'll, you know, I'll wait till decide whether I love him when <laughs> he grows up and starts." You know, like, when I went in there, I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm just overwhelmed by this love. Like, it's just there. I didn't even, like, it just, just appeared out of nowhere. It's like, mm-hmm. I, I love this baby just because he exists. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And he's not even my son. He's like my nephew, you know. Right. So imagine what a parent, I can't imagine what a parent feels, you know. It's just that yeah. overwhelming just, you're enough because you, because you exist. And that's grace, and that's how God sees us. That, I mean, that metaphor is all over Scripture of God being our being our parent, you know, and uh, us being His children. And so what? And, and Jesus even says it like, you know, if you know, how, if you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, then what will you know? <laughs> then surely God knows even more, you know. So whatever we got for our children, what do you think God feels for us? Yeah, God, yeah. you know. So it. So there's this so that and that's grace. It's like God, God says you're enough. You don't have to be perfect. You're enough already. You know? I'd like you to live this way. I'd like I think this is why it's what's best for you. You know, these are plans that I'd like that I have for you. This is how I've made you to be. But if you don't want to do that, I still love you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's really good. um and there's like this um this this story in um in one of the Gospels, when Jesus is about to be betrayed, this is a story that's been written for me in my own journey recently. Jesus is about to be betrayed, and um, he sees Judas, and he says, "Here is my betrayer." So he's announced him as his betrayer, mm-hmm. and he says to, and but then, then after that, he says to, he says to Judas, "Friend, do what you came here to do." Mm-hmm. So, having named him as his betrayer, he then calls him friend yeah you know um and i've had periods where i've got really really angry with god and wanted to shout at god and wanted to swear at god and wanted to say horrible things to god and i have done at times you know mm-hmm. but what i re- when i read that when i understood that interpretation of that scripture i suddenly realized that actually when I, every time i got ready to be angry with god jesus was standing there saying friend do what you came here to do
0: mm-hmm.
1: so say what you're going to say like I can take it, you know, and that was quite, quite humbling. I'm getting an emotional just thinking about it actually. Um, But that's grace. Yeah. Yeah. And it's scandalous. Yeah. It's unfair. You know, it's, you know, um, even I get angry about how unfair, you know, Mm -hmm.
0: but the thing that always strikes me about, uh, you know, Jesus and the way he relates to Judas as well is that uh, the example you give, but also at the same time, he, the last supper, Judas is included in that. Yeah, he is. Yeah. You know, and um, the washing of the disciples' feet. Yeah. Ju- Judas is also, Jesus goes and serves Judas, washes his feet the same as all the other disciples, knowing full well exactly what Judas is going to do. Um, mm. And just reminds me, you know, because I, I think, you know, there are times when we betray God or where we turn away or, or we do things that God doesn't want us to do, you know, because God does have a certain intention for us. But that isn't that doesn't change how God relates to us like how the way God comes to us invites us um mm-hmm. you know embraces us that doesn't change that that reality it, that that has always kind of blown me away that um you know mm-hmm. we can we can do all kinds of terrible things but and, and you know we shouldn't do them <laughs> but uh but but it doesn't change the way that god uh that God wants to come toward us. I mean, that's that to me has always been remarkable.
1: Yeah, it is really scandalous, you yeah. Know? yeah. One of the reasons I wrote the book again is you know people need to hear this because people get so like, oh, I don't deserve God, I don't deserve all this blessing, I don't deserve, you know, I'll, I'm gonna, I can't go to church anymore because because God hates me because of what I did, you know, how can it forgive what I did, you know, uh, shaming and stuff. And religion of, of, often does that and bad, bad religion and bad Christian faith sometimes does that as well. Mm-hmm. It shames you for what you did and you know, you better repent. Otherwise you're going to hell. Right. Yeah. yeah Cause that's really helpful, isn't it? Um, <laughs> unfortunately no churches I've been at a lot like. Um, and a lot of
0: a lot of times we end up in one extreme or the other because we will sometimes as well just say, well, it doesn't really matter. Like, yeah. But, yeah but I think grace and and sort of well, there's one kind of grace that is sort of the technical term is pre grace, which is just grace that it just exists before, the kind of thing you're talking about with with uh with a baby, you know, there's just that love, it's just there. There's there's no there's no condition, there's nothing. Um, there's another kind of grace when there's broken relationship. And then, and then there's forgiveness that, that comes as a result of the grace that exists. And that one, I think we either get really, human beings really mess that up by, by being really judgmental towards one another or shaming, or we mess it up by saying, well, we're supposed to be forgiving. So really what you did didn't, doesn't really matter. Um, but I feel like God's grace says what you did actually really matters. And I forgive you. And I want to be in relationship with you, even though there's this brokenness and this difficulty and this challenge to the relationship. Yeah. I love you so much that I want to be in it with you. And yeah, there's brokenness and, and acknowledging that it is really tough. Yeah. Um, and, and I think we kind of, those two extremes we, we do, but we don't necessarily do a very good job of saying, yeah, like we are messed up. Mm. and and we're still going to be in in this together and and we're going to operate out of a basis of love and forgiveness despite that we're broken so i I love that your book is focused on that right like it's this broken and then put back together it's great yeah
1: um thank thank you um yeah i mean i've i've had some experience of that kind of grace that the good um for example Um, A couple of years ago, more than a couple of years ago now, um, I had problems with money and I was running out of money and I'd been irresponsible with my money. Um, Not in kind of a major way, just kind of generally, like I probably spent more than I had each month without really budgeting properly. Um, And it got to a really kind of desperate point. And and this story is in the book. Um, And... I went to my home group leader who is trained in money management because uh, I didn't know what else to do. And um, I sat with them and they didn't judge me. They didn't say anything mm. in condemnation or anything like that. It was simply just they just sat with me and helped me plan out our budget. Mm. That was it. No judgment, no condemnation, no, no snide remarks or comments, nothing. They just loved me and supported me and said, look, we're here for you, whatever you need, we'll help you out, you know. Um, And they were really, really supportive and helpful and got me through that. And they didn't shame me. And they didn't treat me any differently. And um, it was uh, amazing, you know. And and there was another time, I I mean, at the same period, actually, when I went and told my dad what had happened, um, I just remember him getting money out of his wallet and just giving it to me, you know. And I... I hadn't asked him for any, I didn't expect anything from him. Um I was ashamed, really. Um and, but um and he said and I said, Look, I'll pay you back. He said, No, you don't dad pay me back ever. Like you're my son. Like, that's it. So um and he's literally never spoken to me about it or asked me about it like ever. So um know, yeah, and that's grace. It's 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 like, you know, you're not perfect, but I love you. Um yeah. And that is great. That really is grace. So, um, yeah. That's
0: awesome. So the, the the title of the book, Mosaic of Grace, is the mosaic. Is that the? Can you talk a little bit about that that word and what and what that means for you in the title?
1: Yeah, yeah. The, the, the mosaic is really about um, broken broken pieces of our lives being put together to make mm. something beautiful. Like a mosaic is beautiful, um, but it's made of broken pieces of glass, effectively. Um, and so it when you make a mosaic, you take broken pieces of glass, and you put you put them together into something that's more beautiful than it was before. And you put them together, it kind of get and that and the whole idea of the mosaic of grace was that God takes our our brokenness and our imperfections, and just puts them back together. Um, makes them something more beautiful than we had than we could ever have imagined. Yeah. Um, you know. So that that was really where that that kind of metaphor came from.
0: That's great. Yeah, I want to ask you too about the, and I mentioned this earlier, the uh, podcast that you do. It's called uh, Poema. Um, yeah, and I think uh, it was formerly called James Talks. Yes. Uh, but uh, the the basis of of this podcast, of your podcast, is um, exploring intersections between creativity and spirituality. Mm-hmm. Sure, yeah. So I would love to hear more about that and maybe just how you understand spirituality and maybe what you've learned through through doing that podcast as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, just to explain to the listeners, the sure. word poem is um mm-hmm. it's about, it's like, it's poem with an A on the end. And it's actually a word from scripture, which is when Paul talks about us being God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, um, which he created in advance for us to do the word for workmanship is poema so it's Mm. and it's a word so it's a word that speaks about um our spirituality our relationship with god it's a word that speaks about um our creativity um like works that god created for us to do and as a creative person creative works Um, and it's a word that speaks about our identity who god made us to be and those are the those are three things that i'm really passionate about and so that was why I chose that, that word because I felt it kind of summed up everything that I wanted to talk about. Um, um, so yeah. and
0: That's really cool. Yeah. I love that.
1: Um, Yeah. So, so in terms of my own spirituality, I think I've been on this really interesting spiritual journey, um, to certainly the last 12 years, you know, um, and in particular the last 18 months, um, Mm -hmm. I would, I would, I would, call what I, what I would call my spirituality kind of. I've come to a place where I've got a kind of transcendent spirituality, okay. and that's and that sounds a really bizarre, weird thing, but, um, <laughs> it's kind of like I've gone beyond the old boundaries of conservative and and progressive, liberal, whatever, um, and I've studied a lot of um, spiral dynamics, which is a theory of human consciousness. And it's really—I talked about actually interviewed somebody on my podcast about it. Um, And there's different levels of human consciousness, and um, it's very difficult to condense into that 30 seconds. Um, But basically, there's, there's 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 five levels in the there's six levels in the first tier, and then there's two levels in the second tier of consciousness. And when you get to the and very few people get to the second tier of consciousness. But the idea of the second tier consciousness is that you take everything of the six strands that have gone before and recognize that there's good and bad in all of them and you try and take the best in all of them and try and apply that to your understanding of consciousness and life Hmm. so i've tried to do that with my spiritual journey um i tried to say okay there's bad things about this there's bad things about that there's bad things about i don't want to say sides but these different groups
0: Hmm.
1: with different perspectives on faith each of them have good and bad sides Mm-hmm. Um, and what I want to do is take the best of all of them and try and bring them together and add something new. And I always, one of the things that I really kind of commit to is I always want to be growing, I always want to be learning, or I always want to be going somewhere new. I don't ever want to stay still because I think when you stay still, then you end up becoming conservative, you end up getting stuck in the past, you know. And what what is really liberal and progressive now? If the people who are there now are holding on to their beliefs with closed hands and stay where they are, then in 20 years time, they will be seen as conservative. And they will be conservative because if we've moved on, you know, and what, what is seen as conservative now was once very liberal, progressive, almost heretical, mm. you know, because that's just how human consciousness and spiritual consciousness moves. So I want to, one of the things that I really care about is holding my beliefs with open hands and hearing everybody's stories Um, and not just making blanking, sweeping statements about people, uh, but actually hearing their stories. And that's really, really important that we do that. And that's about what loving our enemies is about. Um, And so that's kind of my, well, where I am kind of spiritually. I'm kind of, so I'm kind of seeing, I'm able to interact with people who are in a different place than me and take what, what I not take what I need from it because that's the wrong perspective but I'm able to, to to get blessed by it without having to fully embrace it and like subscribe to it if you see what I mean yeah. um, and I think yeah and I think I mean, I'm also learning more about science and um, and the science of the universe and all that kind of thing um, that, is all, that has widened and deepened my spirituality as well mm-hmm. Um, and I think, yeah, my, my kind of, I've come to a place where I kind of think like everything belongs and everything is spiritual. Well, if you look for something, you'll find it. If you look, like when I, like if you go out, I don't know, if you go to a concert, I went to a U two concert once, right? And that was a really, really spiritual experience. Like right. when he started singing where the streets had no name and they did what they no, when they did the introduction, like people were literally and I'm not kidding. People were, were were closing their eyes and putting their hands up in the yeah. air.
0: Yeah,
1: they were not they not worshiping the band, but they were literally looking up to heaven. Like, and, this is, and, and I'm betting that half of them weren't Christians as well. But you could feel the presence of something that was beyond us there. I could—I mean, I would call it the Holy Spirit. You could feel something there. It was, and even I was doing it. I was just like fully immersed in that. It was like this divine moment,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know. And that wasn't a church, (laughs) although it wasn't a church building. Right. I'd say it was church actually, you probably were doing church, but um
0: but where where two or three are gathered. (laughs) Exactly. Or you know, fifty (laughs) thousand however many.
1: Well, uh, God was present there. It was it was absolutely a spiritual experience, and other people and we all kind of have different jumping off points where we interact spiritually, like something that I might really have a deep spiritual connection with um, might not trigger that for somebody else because we're all different mm-hmm. um I think the important thing is to have our eyes open and to and to look for the divine in in everything and if we look for it then we'll find it like it's really interesting this whole seeking you will find because like I think there's actually more to it than Jesus is talking about. It's not just about looking for God where you find Him. It's like in life, whenever you look for something, you will find it. So, yeah. if you're meeting somebody and you're looking to find reasons to not like them, yeah. you you will notice things about them that you don't like more than you would have done otherwise. Yeah. If, you're, if you want to like somebody, then you'll look for reasons to like them. So, yeah. something will happen in your subconscious, you know. That's just a hu- That's a human thing.
0: Yeah, like, and it almost it almost just makes you. Uh, it, it sort of makes you more aware to notice, as opposed to sort of something be a, being a self fulfilling prophecy kind of thing. But it's, yeah, I think yeah. it just makes you more aware. Your mindset actually does have a lot to do with your awareness of what you're noticing in the world. Yeah. Um, and the same thing. There was a study done a number of years ago about uh, people going into uh, into worship services. They were asked before they go into a worship service, "Do you expect to meet God today?" And those who said, yeah, I expect to meet God in, in worship today, when they were interviewed afterwards and asked, did you meet God today? A huge percentage of them said, yeah, I did. I mean, there was a couple, a few that said, no, it, you know, it didn't feel like I did. And then they interviewed people, people who said, no, I don't expect to meet God today. Mm-hmm. Almost all of them did not meet God. Like very few of them were surprised. You know, some of them came out of were like, well, I was so surprised. You know, I did feel like I met God today. So it's mm-hmm. sort of, the expectation that you go in into worship often it impacts what you notice and what your experience is. So yes. it's exactly what you're talking about.
1: Yeah, and there's an element of uh, being fully present as well. Yeah, um, like like last year I went to a park with the intention of trying to be fully present in the moment, and mm. um, and I sat down on this bench and I looked up and I I literally noticed this this leaf on a tree. And all the different colours that it had, and all the textures and the shapes and everything. Mm-hmm. I saw that because I was looking for it. Right. That's the only right. reason I saw that because I took because I stopped and I actually spent time looking at what was around me, and I was paying attention and being intentional about that. So I I found what I was looking for. You know, mm-hmm. um, if you're looking for for reasons to like break up with somebody, then you'll find them. <laughs> <laughs> Um, probably means you wanted to break up with them. You're just looking for an excuse. But
0: right.
1: um, but yes, yeah, seeking you will find that, that seeking you will find is much more profound than just what we've ascribed to it. You know, yeah. it's much bigger and deeper um, than that. So um, that's my kind of my spirituality. Yeah, everything is spiritual and mm-hmm. everything belongs, you know, and obviously things like violence and abuse and all that kind of thing. They're not, you know, they're not, they don't belong because in a sense, because, um because they're not in tune with how God wants the world to be, but
0: right.
1: um in another sense, they kind of do in that people have suffered these things, and their experiences have to be acknowledged, like mm-hmm. people who've been abused, people who suffer, people who have been hurt, you know we can't disavow their experiences. we have to say yeah that okay, that belongs you know, you, you know you belong as you are with those experiences with those. Traumas, you know. I've been. I went through a childhood trauma, you know, and that belongs.
0: Well, and I think earlier you were saying, you know, there's. It, it's kind of, uh, I don't know if it's necessarily the best way of saying it, but just to to talk about, uh, you know, there's there's good and bad in, in various experiences or various points yeah. of view or what may have happened. So something now something can be spiritual but still not be good. Um, Yes, you know, so that's that doesn't mean that doesn't mean it isn't spiritual. I mean, even I mean, look in scripture. Uh, you know, Jesus has an encounter with uh, temptation by the devil in the wilderness. Mm. We we would say that that's a that's a spiritual encounter, but yes. but he's encountering evil. Like he's not he's not encountering good there. Yeah. Um, there might be good things that we can draw from it. Um, and I think maybe our human experiences of pain or suffering or evil in the world, um, the same kind of thing like there, they are, they can be deeply spiritual experiences, but I think sometimes certain wings of not just Christians, but but people have equated spiritual in, in quotes with, uh, with something good and always positive. But that's not necessarily true. No, um,
1: I, I would totally agree. Yeah. I, yeah. That this Whatever you believe about, the demonic. There's forces at work in the universe which are probably not working in our favor but are working against us. Mm-hmm,
0: yeah.
1: You know, and you know there's there's dark stuff that happens, you know. Yeah. People get abused, people get attacked, people get murdered, you know. Yeah. Um, like the, the Holocaust, that kind of thing. There's dark forces at work in the world, you know. Um and though and there is something spiritual about that in a in a negative way. Mm-hmm. Um and I guess maybe what what I what I'd say as a as a, as a Christian, um, as somebody who has been through um, a big childhood trauma and then lost a parent as well, mm-hmm. and now kind of ten fifteen years out of that, is that there is is that resurrection is real. Resurrection is not just about what you read in the Bible about Jesus rising from the dead. Resurrection is something that actually happens to us. It's a mm-hmm. And it, it, sometimes it takes time, yeah. you know. Um, like for me to really come out of what happened to me took years, you know. Um, and I'll probably I'll have to live with what happened for the rest of my life in one sense. But um, resurrection is real, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, you can't say that to somebody who's in the midst of it. You can't. But 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 I, I I believe in resurrection more now, probably because of what I went through and how I came out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, than I would have done otherwise.
0: Well, and, that, and this is the heart of the Christian story, isn't it? Like the, um, you know, Jesus goes through suffering, and I think if somebody is in a period of suffering, often the like the place I go to is that this is this is the road that Jesus walked. You know, Jesus is in it with you. Yeah. Um. When you come on the other side of it, an experience like you've gone through, where you're able to say, "Look, I've experienced resurrection in my life." You're you. That's that's the next part of the story. And for some, that might be just a glimmer of hope because they're in despair or they're they're having difficulty. Others, like yourself, on the other end of it are able to look back and say, it truly is part of this. It, it, it truly is. Yeah. Um, but that but that's the centerpiece of, of Christianity. Um is, mm-hmm. is Jesus suffered, died, and rose again. Um, and uh, you know, when we when we lose that, uh, like I, I, we're we're really missing something if we lose that as the as what is central to Christianity is that, yeah,
1: that's that right.
0: God God is not ignoring suffering um, by any means. It's it's going through it and seeing it through to the other side, and there's something new that that, that takes place. I mean, we're kind of just circling back to your book somehow, aren't we? <laughs> With this, yeah. so it's very good though.
1: <laughs> I'd also say one thing I've learned as well. I've I've been talking to a guy called Alexander Shire. Okay. Um, and he 's written this thing called um, um, well he's he has this work called what he calls Quadratos and it 's basically the gospel story of identity, mm. so the gospels read almost like literature in a sense uh, as well as history um, and then then there being these four paths, which are the four different gospels mm. and and what i 've learned through that is that is that this is just an ongoing cycle, you know mm-hmm. that, that resurrection happens, but then you have to go into Monday and Tuesday, mm-hmm. um, you know, and what happens after that, and then there's, and, and the Easter Saturday, in a sense, is is the place where most of us live. That place mm-hmm. where we don't know what's going to happen next, where mm-hmm. where things are uncertain, where there's lots of doubts and questions, mm-hmm. and where where we're hurting and in pain but we don't know what to do with it in a sense. Mm-hmm. And that, that place requires faith and it requires perseverance and it, you know, and trust, you know, and that place is where a lot of us live a lot of the time. Um, and we have, we have, in a sense, we have the really dark moments like Good Friday and we have the really high moments like resurrection and those, those things happen. But most of the time we're living in the in-between part of it, right. you know, and um, it's a really interesting concept that he talks about in his book. And again, you know, I've interviewed him six or seven times, and we still haven't I mean, got really, really, we can still do another six or seven talking about it. Uh, and it's just blown the Bible apart in a, in a really good way mm-hmm. and I can understand it better yeah. um, and find myself in Jesus' story
0: yeah.
1: um, a lot more. And so, um, yeah, that's that's another thing I would say is yeah that, um, but I do believe resurrection is real and it and that that not just the the, the reality of Jesus rising from the dead, but for us that resurrection can happen.
0: Hmm. That's really good. Can that's come, yeah. Sorry. Can we can we come back to uh, the the intersection of creativity and spirituality because I know that's one of your your passions yeah. and and one of your focuses. So, can you talk a little bit about how you see creativity and spirituality going together or maybe what some of your inspirations are as well around that
1: yeah yeah yeah. um well i yeah i mean everything like i said everything is spiritual so you know this so obviously there's going to be some i think there's something fundamentally spiritual about creating because i mean first off if we follow the god of the bible if you know the christian god or whatever we believe in a, a god who creates things Mm-hmm. And if we're made in His image, then we are all, by definition, creative. Um, and I, I fundamentally believe that every single person is creative. Like you don't, there's this myth that well, you have to be an artist, you know, like a, you have to be a writer or a musician or a painter or a, or poet or whatever to be um, creative. And that's not true. Mm-hmm. Um, Any time you use your imagination you're being creative you know Mm -hmm. scientists are some of the most creative people (laughs) you know without imagination and creativity wouldn't have had all the scientific breakthroughs that we've had yeah
0: yeah
1: you know um i mean steve jordan is not wasn't necessarily a scientist but certainly he kind of fused like technology and creativity in like that perfect way Uh, he's a great example of that but People like Einstein and all, and you know, like um, I'm trying to, and yeah, like the the name, name any kind of top scientist, they 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 use their imagination, like they have to, to come up with new ideas and like breakthroughs. That that's that's a creative act, a fundamentally creative act. Mm -hmm. Um, Building a marriage is a creative act, you know, building a family and. Um, is a creative act you know it, it's all creative um and we have the power to create the lives and the world that we choose to create that's mm-hmm. in our power to do that um and that's been a challenge for me because um i realized recently the last couple of years i've realized that i've been creating a life for myself that wasn't healthy you know i um after what happened with my childhood um on some subconscious level I had blamed myself and it was nothing to do with me and um and I had punished myself and I had built up habits and routines in order to sabotage everything good in my life and punish myself for what I deemed that I'd done wrong and because because somewhere inside of myself, I didn't believe I deserved anything good at all, yeah. and and that built up a, a lot of routines and rhythms and habits, you know, which created a certain kind of life. So in a sense, I created the life that I thought I deserved, you know. That's what I was doing, and now I'm take. I've been I'm taking steps to change that. The last eighteen months, in particular, I've been changing my habits, trying to change my routines, trying to change my um perspectives and trying to be more intentional you know and it's a process you know it's hard work creativity is hard work um but it's worth it you know um if you're not prepared to do the work then you shouldn't bother trying to create anything because creativity doesn't just happen like that you know it takes work and you've got to to do the work and find the joy in the work. And that that can be anything. That can be your life. It can be a piece of art. It can be writing. It can be anything. Um, um, if you don't do the work, then you're not going to have... You're not going to be able to create. You're not going to be able to do it. Do anything. So I'm trying now to create that healthier life for myself.
0: Yeah, I, I can't remember the exact quote. It's sort of anything worth doing is... Uh it's going to be hard work or something like that. Anything worth doing is hard work. Um, and I, I where I've, I've learned that recently through writing as well. Um, but it, it, kind of applies in all areas of life. Um, you know, you think of somebody, um, you know, who is is trying to get in shape and is trying to exercise. Like I personally hate exercise, <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't want to do it. Um, but uh but the same thing about you know talking about habits or changing habits. Um and and that is 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 can be is really challenging and really hard. Um and I'm interested in how do we stay more healthy spiritually as well.
1: Um yeah, I think that's...
0: so then what does that look like for you? So what are some of the new maybe I guess what I'm trying to ask is <laughs> I'll get around to it. Uh is uh, what what are some of those? What are some of those new habits that you're maybe trying to adopt? That's uh, that's that's maybe leading to a, something a little more healthy.
1: Well, I think I mean I've been I've been doing a lot more meditation. Mm-hmm. So I've been trying to every morning getting up, doing about five or ten minutes uh, meditation, either a guided meditation or just breathing, focusing my breathing, mm-hmm. slowing down my breathing um, for ten minutes, and. Um, then just picking up my Bible and reading a psalm, reading a chapter, you know, um, reflecting on that. Um, that is that, and I try to do that every day. I don't always do it, I, mm-hmm. I don't, but I try to do it every day. And when I do do it, I feel a lot more centered.
0: Yeah, this um, is this is a common theme that keeps coming up on on my podcast where I'm asking people about you know, what are their spiritual practices? A common theme is uh, psalms uh, tend to come up quite a bit, which is not a surprise. Um, and also, um, you know, I, and I, I have been a bit surprised maybe by this is that um, often people are saying it's not necessarily consistent. And you know, it's not necessarily every single day. And then learning, and I don't know where you're at with this, but I know I, I'm coming to learn this as well, learning that, that that's really okay. You know, there's yeah. that, and it comes back to the grace conversation. We grace with ourselves around that, but also just yeah. you know,
1: back to the book grace, yeah. grace with ourselves is one. Is one I spent a whole chat talking about that because yeah. that is really, really, really important. Having grace with ourselves. Yeah.
0: yeah. Anyway, I kind of interrupted you, but are there other other things? So, kind of meditation and uh, reading Psalms.
1: Yeah, I do a bit of reading as well. Other reading. Yeah. Um, I've been reading Rob Bell's um, new book. What is the Bible?
0: What is the, the Bible? Bible, yeah.
1: Blowing my mind. Uh, <laughs> and I read, yeah, I read other people. I read like Richard Rohr and... I and Shire, and, um, you know, other people. I've got loads of books. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I need to read more. That's one of the things that... That's one of the things I've struggled with most, actually, is reading, mm-hmm. um, reading books. Um, so that's another thing that I do. And I'm... It's difficult. It's been difficult when I've, I've been... Um, off full-time nine-to-five work for the last six months so it's been really difficult to get any kind of routine during the rest of the day
0: right.
1: um, and it's weird how when you have a job and you have to be somewhere that you can actually get into a better routine <laughs> um, you know um, so but there, there, there are things that I that I do I, I the diet I is one thing that I think it's something I I struggle with. Uh, I, I want to be healthy. And I think, I think the health thing is integrated. I mean, they've said that, so I think it's, I don't know which scientists say, it, but there's, 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 there's there's science which says that, you know, obviously you take more care of yourself, the healthier you are, the more energy you have. Yeah. um, And the more able to do things you are and the better, and the better quality of life that you have, you know? Um, And, that impacts everything. So, so it's a spiritual practice in a sense. Like going to the gym, you know, is a spiritual practice. Eating healthy can be a spiritual practice. Um, you know, and I think looking at like looking at it like that actually helps helps me. You know, mm. um, it's like I'm doing this because I want to be a more integrated whole person, um, not you know, not just kind of for like short term gains or whatever. And I think because I think more things can be spiritual practices than we than we than we think. Yeah. We always think like our oh, meditation, prayer, Bible study, whatever. And those are spiritual practices and they're really good. But there's other things that we can do, like things that we do to uh which connect us with 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 a, with the divine. Maybe it's going for a walk. Yeah. Maybe it's going for a run. Maybe it's it could be anything. Something we do which kind of centers us, focuses us connects us with ourselves and with, with, with God, um, that is, that can be a spiritual practice, you know, Mm -hmm. spending time with your kids can be a spiritual practice, spending time with your wife or your partner can be a spiritual practice, you know, um,
0: I think too, if, if, uh, if you have a, if you do have kind of a, a more kind of creative or craft kind of pursuit that you have in your life. But that that can be a spiritual practice as well. Oh, yeah. So yeah. Yeah. writing or something that you are where you are actually connecting creatively. And sometimes we don't think about it that way. Like I know with my own writing, there's lots of days where I don't feel like writing, um, and so it's a matter of well, am I forcing myself to write today? Um, so it, it it can be tricky because a lot of these things, even things like prayer or Bible reading, they can feel like you don't always feel like it. I mean that's that's sort of the nature of habits and practices. you don't feel like it. Yeah. Um, but then there's still you end up connecting with God over the long term. Yeah. Um, you know, diet and exercise are actually a really good metaphor, even though they can be an actual practice themselves, but they're a good metaphor for thinking about it, because we relate to them really well. If you know people have experience with doing them, and like I've not always done well <laughs> with them, so um, you know, but we have experience with that, so we can kind of get our heads around the difficulty of that, but also knowing the long-term benefits of it. Um, so health, health benefits or things like that. But I think the same, same is true as our spiritual lives, that, uh, that there's these long-term benefits to, um, to seeking out God, um, through whatever, whatever means it might be. But I am really interested in sort of these creative pursuits as well. and, And people who, uh, you know, my wife makes, uh, makes cards. Um, but, uh, uh, people who are doing crafts or people who are doing art or writing or whatever it might be as a, as a creative endeavor might, might really be a spiritual practice for them. Mm. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, and like you say, yeah, writing for me was, has been a spiritual practice too. Yeah, especially when I was going through difficult times, it was just like going and free writing and just writing out my heart and journaling and all that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. That is a really spiritual practice. So that's mm-hmm. um, really been a lifesaver for me. Yeah. Um, right now, I've, I've taken a break mm-hmm. from writing. I've mm-hmm. taken a sabbatical kind of thing. Um And again, this is another, I haven't talked about this um, in in my last bit, but I will talk about it in the future. But it's because Sabbath is something that's really, really important. Um, oh,
0: yeah.
1: Our principle of Sabbath. And... You can talk about it from a religious point of view, or you can just talk about it from a holistic kind of better health point of view. I, well, like from from all the research I've done, um, the the Sabbath is kind of the beginning and end of the week. It's what the, every everything else is built around. So it begins with that. So it's in a sense Sabbath is about grace. It's about I'm enough without my work, without what, I, without all those things that define me. You know, in a sense, Sabbath is very much about grace. This is why I believe everything begins and ends with grace, because, mm. because, um, because, it because we have to begin with not what we do, but who we are, and that's yeah. what Sabbath does. Um, and me laying down my writing for this period is is me saying writing is important to me. It's something that I that I value. It's something that I love. It's something I feel called to. But it will not define my identity will not be everything
0: yeah james this is so awesome like i
1: will not put my identity <laughs> in what i in my writing like i will not do that and, you know <laughs> um i will and also i will take a break from it so that i can get refreshed and renewed and re-energized mm-hmm. and inspired so that i can go back and when i do write again it's better than it would have been and so it doesn't feel like a burden. It doesn't feel like an obligation anymore. It's like, I don't, this doesn't choose me. I choose this. Like, doesn't, I don't do this because I have to do it. I do this because I choose to do it because it's something that I feel called to do and I care about. It. Yeah, and I like, think... And if I choose to...
0: Sabbath yeah. is probably one of the most neglected <laughs> aspects of the spiritual life, um, especially today. Like, people are just busy and running around. And I think it's, it's so important, Um so I, I'm actually there's a book that I've been working on for a little while that I haven't really talked about at all, but um, but there's a chapter on Sabbath in in the in that book as well. So, um, but uh, I just think this is in some ways uh, can be a key to unlocking other uh, other ways of connecting with God as well. Um, yeah. I think yeah. I think we read better and like exactly what you're saying. You'll you'll be a better writer for having taken Sabbath. Um, yeah. And, uh, it's, you know, we just, it's something that we're, uh, we're designed to have that rest and to not pay attention to that is just so detrimental. And, uh, and our world is crying out for us to just completely ignore Sabbath and just be 24 seven all the time. It's so important. Um, but it, uh, now I just want to let, uh, we don't have time because uh, we, we've been going for a while. I'll just ha- we, Write your book when you when you've had your break, and get you back on the podcast, and we'll talk about we'll do a whole podcast on Sabbath or something like that. So yeah, I would, I'd, I'd love to do that.
1: I I'd, I'd love to I'd love I mean in all, all seriousness I would love to I would love to write a whole book on on, on Sabbath, but yeah, um, I, I've never that's never been one of the book ideas I've had. I've got about three or four book ideas sure. already, um, um, but I mean Sabbath is something that's always interested me. Mm. Uh, I think we need more more talking about it. I, actually, when I, met, uh, when I said to, to Rob Bell, when I interviewed Rob Bell for my podcast, um, he said, um, I mentioned Sabbath, and he said, oh, we need more people talking about Sabbath. We need Sabbath more than ever. And I was like, yes, mm, yes.
0: Totally agree.
1: Okay. You know, because our culture is so counter all of that. Like, I know so many writers who are kind of like, you've got to be on social media 24-7. You've got to be at it all the time. You've got to be posted all the time. You've got to be, you know, and it's like, yeah, maybe constant contact with people is a good thing. Um, But also what about you? Like, you know, is this your whole life? What happens if this goes wrong? Yeah. Like, What happens when you lose ideas? What happens when you burn out? Because you will burn out. If you're doing this 24 seven, you will crash. You can't keep, it's like, it's like leaving a computer on without ever turning it off.
0: Yeah.
1: Like, and just, storing like, up more and more data really quickly, eventually it will crash. You won't be able to handle it anymore. You know, how many times people have, like, leave their laptops on, and then eventually it just crashes and you have to turn it off and on again? Mm. Because that's, the, you know, that's a metaphor for Sabbath. Like, we, we aren't designed to keep going 24-7. Yeah, but yeah. science actually says this, that if we try and do that, it will actually kill us. Yeah. In the long run, it will kill us. Yeah. You know, we can't, we can't sustain that. So we need to have Sabbath more than ever. It's like, and maybe we have to not call it Sabbath because when you say Sabbath, people will immediately go to the religious stuff around it. But we need this principle of taking a having a day every week where we don't do what we normally do.
0: Right, right. I love, that. I love as well that people will get obsessed about all kinds of obscure things in the Bible. We could go on forever about this. Yet, you know, keeping Sabbath is one of the Ten Commandments. <laughs> And we seem to have no issue with breaking it. <laughs> it's just it just it boggles our boggles my mind that that I know I I break it all the time too. You know I'm I'm not uh, I'm not claiming that I'm perfect at, at keeping Sabbath, but um, we'll we'll be all kinds we'll, we'll get all upset about all kinds of other things that that are you know against biblical teaching, but. But uh, we won't cry out against, well, like, what are we doing here with, uh, with no, Sabbath? yeah,
1: no, I know. It's, funny. it's, it's crazy, it's funny. isn't it? Anyway.
0: This has been so great to talk to you, James. Uh, we are going to have to wrap it up um, here. Oh, and, wow. uh, but so great to meet you and so great to talk to you. Can I ask where, where can people go to find you online if they're looking for the book or the podcast?
1: Yeah, okay. Um, my website is jamesprescott.co.uk. And on that site, you can find links to my, my blog, my podcast. Um, there's a link to buy my book on there, actually, as well.
0: Great.
1: Um, and that's all on there. You can also um, – my book is on Amazon. You can just go to Amazon and find it, um, Mosaic of Grace. It's got, like, a red heart, broken heart on the cover. Mm-hmm. Um, on social media, um, on tw- I'm on Twitter quite a lot. So um, that's at James Prescott 77 um, that's my Instagram account as well. So, um, oh no. you can find me on there. And if you say hello, I will say hello. Of I'm nice like that. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so, um, yeah, that's, that's really what, where I am. My, my podcast is also on iTunes as well. It's the poem, podcast, which is poem with an A. Um, there's like a hundred, nearly a hundred episodes up there now. Yeah. Um, so there's interviews with like people like Rob Bell and Pete Rollins and, Alexander Shire and Brian McLaren and Sarah Bessie and Glendora um, Melton, people like that. Have yeah. all been, uh,
0: yeah, it's, a, it's a great podcast. Some of those interviews are fantastic.
1: So, um, yeah, thank you. Yes, yeah, so I do go and check that out. I, uh, yeah, I'd love to connect with you. Yeah.
0: Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much, James. Thank you. I hope you found today's episode helpful. Don't forget to check out the show notes at spiritualityfornormalpeople.com. There, you can sign up to get the free short guide called Six Tips to Get Consistent in Connecting with God. And when you do that, you'll also get the latest updates and news from the blog, plus book announcements and anything else I may be working on. So head over to spiritualityfornormalpeople.com and sign up. Thanks for listening today, and take care.